You know, Jake, before we get started, two things, two things. Yeah, two things you and I like an awful lot, and that is drinking beers and watching baseball. And wouldn't you know it, my friend, there is a brewery that celebrates those very same things. It's our old friends at Left Field Brewery. They're celebrating the season starting as we are celebrating the season starting. Isn't that exciting? It is. I'm very excited, personally. They're celebrating first pitch this week. They're going to be home opener promos running at bars and restaurants across Ontario. That includes the tap room at the brewery uh, with specials on ice cold beer, ballpark food pairings and prizes. Check that out if you are out watching your opening weekend games between the Blue Jays and Texas or whoever else uh, at bars this week. Crazy to think people people back in bars watching baseball games. Life is life is crazy. It's wild. It's like 50,000 people inside of Skydome on Friday. Until the end of this opening series against Texas, promo code first pitch, all one word, gets you a free ice cold koozie. If you're like us and you and you aren't going to those games and you're not going to the bars and you want to order Left Field Brewery to your house, which, by the way, I recommend so much. They've delivered things to our houses uh, many times and it's absolutely excellent. And boy, getting beer delivered to your house is a pretty sweet way to live. It's not bad, right? It's I like awesome. beer delivered. It's funny, actually. It's it's sort of the uh, you know it's been uh, long enough now in the pandemic that we have you know the memories on social media popping up of like sure. two years ago was this and all of my two years ago have been like ordering beer. I remember when it was remember like the, a novel the, thing. The case flex where you you would order the twenty four and then you put it on your Instagram story. And <laughs> Absolutely, that's exactly what it was. Shop local, and it was to be the big tag, and everyone's like, "Hell yeah, man!" And then you're just like, "I'm drinking in my house <laughs> at, <laughs> on a Wednesday." <laughs> Everyone is just like fist pumping. Oh, crazy, crazy, hilarious times. Um, anyway, if you're doing that, which I think you should do because it's tons of fun fanshop.leftfieldbrewery.com use promo code first pitch get yourself a free ice cold koozie with the purchase of an ice cold beer case i love ice cold beer you talk about beers that i love to drink ice cold beer from left field brewery one of those beers it also enters you in a draw to win an ice cold prize pack valued at 200 dollars fanshop.leftfieldbrewery.com use promo code first pitch get your free ice cold koozie to keep your beer ice cold with your purchase of ice cold beer Welcome. It is time once again for Less Than Jays. It is the last big show before the season starts. We got it in. I'm still here. No no rushing out. No rushing out to have <laughs> my first child delivered any moment now. That's That feels like a weekend thing this week, maybe, or half of the week. Uh, but we have approached. We are, we're starting to get a picture of what the 28-man roster coming north is going to look like. There's been every week we do a show. We get some trades. Uh, we get, you know, you wait your whole career, Jake, to get the call about a third string catcher being traded for a third string catcher. That's the sort of stuff that yeah, changes. We talk about, you know, woken up in the middle of the night that they traded 
for Tulo. This is right up there. It's, a, it's su- Sunday afternoon. They traded <laughs> Reese McGuire uh, for a different third-string catcher. Look, we knew a big move was going to be made the week before the season. And we were right. We repeatedly. We were right. We were repeatedly right. We've been right over and over again as the uh, framework of the fringes of the roster start to take place. We have almost made it through spring training. There's one game left. We have seen a lot of people. Uh, the roster has changed dramatically. We even got a good uh, feel-good story at the bottom of the offensive roster today, feeling getting the exact finishing of that out with Gosuke uh, Kato getting the... Uh, understanding that he is making the team. That's pretty neat. Uh, Greg Bird, who thank God we didn't take any time to talk about and think about Greg Bird over the last couple of weeks. Uh, oh, man. He's gone. <laughs> I mean, he was never, obviously, clearly. Obviously never, not. Never going to be. A, he couldn't even make the Rockies last year. Why would we Why would we be sitting here uh, exactly right. maligning the loss of Greg Bird? Injury prone, uh, no versatility, um, no need for no need for that. Uh, Greg Bird is off the roster. Gosuke Kato is on the roster. Um, boy, Reese McGuire is off the roster. Zach Collins is on the roster. We have I've, I got it laid out here. I got I got I have thirteen hitters and fourteen pitchers, which leaves us one extra roster spot. Um, We'll, we'll go through how that goes through uh, and all that and more. But Jake, first, I ask you, we are once again here on a Monday evening. How is your week? How is your wife? Week is good. Wife is great. Wife, uh, I, I tweeted about it, but wife, if you've listened to Sportsfeld in the past, uh, wife has been going through some dental stuff the last year and a bit uh, and kind of got to the end of it today which is lovely news and very exciting. And I'm very oh, proud yeah. of her for toughing it out because Lord knows I wouldn't have. Right. I would just be like, I guess I, I, I guess my face is just, I just don't have teeth now. Yeah. You, like, you, uh, you and I, I think, agree. We would, we would be like, well, I guess they're going to rot out of my head. And then yeah. <laughs> they're just going to fall out and they just won't be there. Yeah. I'll be in pain uh, later. Not yeah. now. <laughs> no. Because this, the pain seems like too much of an effort, to be honest. For sure. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, great news. That's great news. Very, very happy uh, for her, for us. Uh, excited to, once things sort of settle down a bit, uh, considering she had another procedure today, uh, excited to get her on some nice, uh, nice crunchy bread. Oh, yeah. And, and chicken wings and all those fun things. Yeah, some real pull tear sort of foods. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That's really cool. Um, that's great. That's great times. That's great times. Boy, yeah. Good week, good wife over here as well. My wife is, I mean, geez, every week I could come on here and talk about it. We're so pregnant. Um, getting cl- gotta be getting close. Yeah, we're close enough that, that the next scheduled release for this podcast is after the due date of the, of the child. So That's crazy. So I don't know. I don't. I. Uh, it's it's crazy. It is crazy. It it does feel crazy. Um, people, uh, you know, people reaching out and being very nice and being like, "You're going to be fine and it's going to be great and you're going to enjoy it," and I appreciate that and I thank you for that. It's not even. It's not even a fear. It it just like it feels extremely weird. I'm not like not like nervous. I'm not like scared. It's just like. It's the weirdest feeling I've ever experienced in my entire life, the moments that I'm living right now. And I was trying to explain it to you earlier, and I, I didn't finish the thought. I would say to you, Jake, the best way that I can explain it, because you said, 
you said, you know, I can't relate because you because you've never been any through anything like this. And I would and I say to you, absolutely not. Yeah, I said to you, neither have I really. I've never been through anything like this. Um, So I'm experiencing it the first time and trying to filter my own experiences, what I'm feeling in my own head uh, and trying to explain it. Talking to my wife earlier. And I think the thing that I've come around to sort of explaining how I feel currently is like, you know, when you're moving and you have booked the truck and you have paid the rent at the new place and you have given the 90 days at the old place or the 60 days or whatever it is, uh, but you're still living in the old apartment. Yes, I, I know that very well. I just experienced that not too long ago. So you're not, you don't feel like you are permanently living in the place that you are living currently. You don't, you're like, you're like, well, don't make any, don't make any plans. There's a day where you stop envisioning yourself in that apartment anymore, right? You're in kind of a, kind of a limbo. Yes. Um, except I don't know, I don't know when the moving truck is showing up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You just have to kind of wait for it and assume it will soon. They don't right because when you are moving, you you can pack every box in your house and you can get everything taped up and you can and and we can do as much of that metaphorically as we possibly can right get the get the get the get the right room together. But uh, when you don't know when the truck is coming, you don't know you don't know and uh, it's crazy. I guess there's not much. Yeah, I guess there's not much you can. And it's not like there's anything you can do to be like, oh, okay. Well, if. If it's this day, then I'll right. do this. There's some small stuff. Like we're gonna we're going in on Wednesday, and someone's gonna poke around and sort of. If things are a certain way, then it's like uh, there's something you can do that more or less will make it. It's sort of there's an indication that could be like, okay, we're we're on the route here, and it's probably gonna happen in the next 24 hours. Um, can I can I give you one tip? I what's think that. Uh, don't uh, refer to it as go in and poke around. <laughs> I'm trying to make it as <laughs> jovial as possible. But yeah, they're checking under the hood on Wednesday. And uh, that's better. If things look a certain way, then they will do a certain thing and it'll possibly induce in the next 24 right. to 48. Um, but who knows? But anyway, it's sort of, yeah. So, so I sort of like. it's You know what's funny about things like childbirth? No, what is funny about things like childhood? It's hard to discuss it and discuss your feelings about it mm. without sounding really high. Right. Like any sort of <laughs> thought you have beyond like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, man. Even if it's completely valid and correct. I know. There's no way to discuss it without sounding like a stoner. My wife has two independent heartbeats going on inside her body right now. <laughs> um, right. Exactly. Yeah, her, her she has two brains, uh, four lungs, uh, crazy. <laughs> Both sets of reproductive organs, um, crazy. Well, I guess that's one way to think of it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, that's 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 the, the feelings on sort of the the transient state that I'm currently in. The the big details, the the excitement of of the arrival and uh that couldn't be higher i'm thrilled and i can't wait and and that's exciting um you know we have the incredible new apartment we can't wait to move into we just need to know when the truck gets here and that's the that's what causes the like the nerves and the and the butterflies is like because then after that you know as i was saying before sort of to, to finish off the apartment analogy is you you then start planning you know what you're doing in the new apartment and uh 
a baby is such a different thing. There's like, there's really no, there's really no preparing. There's no preparing and there's no, there's no, um, you know, planning that you can do because it's such a, it's a, it's an independent human life. It's not, an, it's not like the walls of an apartment that you can plan out and, and have ready to go and, and just sort of, you just got to slap it on there. It's you're developing another human being. Uh, it's awesome. So that part is all excitement. That part is all thrills. And, you know, we are, I, I, on paper, it feels like we're we're prepared and in a good place. So it's just finding out when the damn moving truck will get here. Well, you're almost there, I think. I, I think so, too. Well, you are. Just yeah. Factually. Yeah. Mathematically, yes, we are. It is time to talk about baseball. It is almost time for the season to start. We got one more spring training game. We have basically an idea of what the 28-man roster is going to look like coming north. We have impressions on what we've seen and predictions for the season all that and more are coming up in a minute. Well, no, in a second. Jake, uh, the Blue Jays basically done spring training. I don't remember the record. Uh, who cares? Anytime I, you can talk. I tie. genuinely don't even know the record. Winning, they're winning more than they're losing. Uh, yeah. And the starting players are are involved in like even even the wins and losses don't matter to me. It's the it's the what happens when the starters in the game sort of micro games that even that you're not even keeping track of. Yeah, I mean after like the fourth inning, it's kind of like whatever. So we have some small things and we have some bigger things on the map this week. We had the small stuff. Reese McGuire traded uh, for Zach Collins. Uh, if you need a quick thing on Collins, and I don't think anybody comes to us for a quick scouting report, but if they were to, uh, Collins rating out defensively among the very worst in all of baseball splits against righties is sort of the, if you need to shine it up enough to talk yourself into it, the splits against righties paint a league average picture, picture of a hitter. And I will say, Sometimes you get you hear league average and you confuse it for replacement level, right? And sometimes you have to remember that like a <laughs> hundred WRC plus doesn't necessarily mean uh, a bad player, right? And so that, that can be very valuable to, to have a third catcher that hits a league average. That's that, that can be very valuable. Um, a former top ten pick uh, in 2016, he has a 60-60 raw power and was. When he graduated from the prospect class, basically, Fran Graf said, projected as a role-playing power bat who walks in K's a lot while mostly playing first base and occasionally, pardon me, first base and occasionally catching uh, while splitting time as DH. Uh, it's a third catcher. I mean, geez, I am sort of of the opinion that when you get to third catcher, you 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 get to pick one skill, right? You get to pick one skill in major league <laughs> level. For McGuire, it was it was it was the catch and throw. Um, third string catcher you're going to have one skill and it looks like zach collins one skill is hitting against righties as a lefty bat um there's a couple of other small uh, you know subplots from this one of them being him being a third catcher option um or for at least a month when they have the 28 man rosters it means you you can easier time dhing alejandro kirk and the rest of that description uh, the the role-playing power bat who walks in K's while playing first in DH uh, is basically what Greg Bird's skill set is. And Greg Bird is the other half of this thing. He had an option to release, uh, to get his release if uh, he wanted to in his deal. 
he chose to do that, which to me obviously assumes that the team told him he wasn't making the team out of camp. So um, obviously this is not huge things. We're on the fringes here. We're at 27 and 28th men, guys who even if everything breaks right are probably on the, only on the team for a month. But what did you think about uh, the Maguire and Burr's sort of combo of moves? Just one last ad. Zach Collins has minor league options and Reese McGuire didn't. So you can send Zach Collins down and you couldn't send Reese McGuire down. You have to mention that or someone would correct us on it. <laughs> Um, to be honest, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts about either. It's the, it's the come on, I'm talking third string catcher here. We're talking 14th hitter here. <laughs> like this is I, the. I think Greg. <laughs> I I feel like there was this weird thing today on Blue Jays Twitter when the Greg Bird news came down, and I think maybe I'm ignorant and I'm in the wrong, but like I thought everyone knew that all of our. Greg Bird hype, not not you and my are like everyone's. I thought everyone knew that the Greg Bird hype wasn't like serious. Well, like it was it like was, a, it was yeah. a fun, nice story that would have been cool if he put it together in a way that made a major league roster style difference. Yeah, it, it seemed it wasn't like there was so this... much that it wasn't real. It was that like. It, there was there's no bench players so it just sort of it yeah. just sort of it was it wasn't the one that wasn't real was that i was sort of just like assuming by default he was going to make the team for sure but it seemed like there was this vibe out there today of like you're dumb if you thought like you were like stoked on greg bird or something and i don't think anyone was really i think yeah. it was exactly like you said it was a guy who hits left on the end of the bench that was a nice fun story and every year there's that guy in spring that everyone sort of rallies behind. But like, you know, we've discussed this at length, probably more than we should have about Greg Bird. But like, he didn't make the Rockies last year. Right. Like he's, I don't, I know we keep hammering that point, but I feel like it's very relevant to what we're talking about. Sure. And, and like, spring numbers, spring numbers are what they are. Like Justin Upton had good spring numbers. Right. Uh, and he got dfa I mean, he hit 27 home runs in AAA last year. But, and the Rockies still weren't like, yeah, okay. So clearly there's something that teams are seeing or not seeing, I suppose, that is keeping him where he is. And, you know, I hope that he finds a way through because he was fun to root for and it's a fun story. But, you know, I feel like because he's Greg Bird it was easy to lose sight of the fact that like he was in a, you know, playing time competition with, you know, Gosuke Kato and, and Nunez and like bottom of the bench, end of the bench guys. Yeah. Um, you do mention Gosuke Kato. He gets, he's your 13th man. I, I haven't listed off here. I expect Collins to break camp with the team. Uh, Jano Collins, Kirk, Vlad, Cavan, Espinal, Chapman, Bo, Guriel, Tapia, Springer, Teoscar, and Kato. That is thirteen players. Uh, you can you can quibble over what that split is going to be on on the twenty eight, but uh, also have thirteen of your fourteen pitching slots, which are pretty much set in stone. Uh, the five starters, of course: Barrios, Gosman, Manoa, Ryu, Kikuchi, and then Rano, Simber, Garcia, Meza, Richards, Phelps, your Merriweather stripling and then you're that's 13 so now you're down to is it Barucki or Saucedo or both uh or you know you take both and you don't take another uh hitter 
But if you take one of them, you could bring somebody else up. It doesn't look like they're going to do that. You have to give a contract to somebody else that you called up. So uh, I'm going to guess that they add a 15th pitcher to that rotation. But yeah, that's pretty much the roster. I mean, there's, I think um, the, the Collins move certainly is the, pre if they don't make the Collins move, if Collins isn't the guy that they trade for McGuire, I think Bird probably still does make the team. Collins, you know, getting off of the 40-man uh, spot in giving up McGuire and then getting somebody else that's on the 40-man in Collins that you can send down, um, you know, at best, I think at best, the loftiest of what you would hope for Greg Bird if he had been in the role was to be a league average hitter with some pop as a lefty who matches up against righties. And that is exactly what you you can see as the only positive Collins brings. So uh, I think those two moves, if they don't make the Collins move, then maybe Bird does make the team. But it is Collins out of camp and it's Ghost Kato. You talk about a guy who does everything. Um, another Now all of a sudden all they have is lefty bats. Uh, <laughs> Cotto, uh, a, a, a walk rate guy, a, a very good story. Somebody been in the minor leagues for 10 years, finally getting a chance to break with uh, the Blue Jays, a former second round pick. Another Yankee prospect once upon a time. So the Blue Jays, very similar. The similarities between Bird and Cotto, plenty of. But uh, we'll see. You know, a super utility guy, the definition of a 28th man when you have 28-man rosters. Um, going to play similar to the Kevin Biggio. He's the, he's the I, might have to, I might have to concede this to you, Jake, that maybe Kevin Biggio is going to be a regular corner outfielder with this team. Maybe I need, maybe I need to make peace with that and stop <laughs> fighting you on it. I'm glad you brought up Kevin Biggio. Because look at this. Kato is going to play, I, I feel like, and pardon me for cutting you off, I feel like it's more likely you see Kato in the infield, whether it be a sub or whether it be coming in for somebody, than Biggio, and that you're more likely to see Biggio come in as a right fielder than you are as a sec as like a backup third baseman or shortstop. Yeah, I don't think we're there's any chance that we're seeing Kato in the outfield, really. Right. Um, but I'm glad you brought up Biggio in a conversation about Gosuke Kato because our a thought I had not had until our very smart friend Jonah Bierenbaum made it on Twitter today where he brought up the fact or the idea not the fact the idea that Kato making the team uh, and his skill set uh, being similar let's say to Kevin Biggio's is maybe a hint at the Blue Jays level of confidence in Kevin Biggio which I thought was interesting. The other thing I thought was interesting is that choosing Kato as your 13th man, as it were, to fill that skill set is also good cover if Kevin Biggio finds himself, say, suddenly living in uh, one of the most important supply posts for the U.S. during the War of 1812. <laughs> it all it all connects, Jake. Everything on the board, you tie a red string around it and connect it back to Jose Ramirez. Uh, <laughs> the, the Collins deal, too. You say, oh, an extra, an extra catcher. That's that's curious that they would want that. Um, Interesting also that, uh, I'm not sure it was. It might have, I think it was Scotty Mitchell had a, had a cryptic tweet last week uh, about maybe someone will finally give Ross Atkins, what he wants for a catcher. 
which I thought was an, <laughs> I thought was an interesting way to phrase that. <laughs> um, yeah, the interest, a lot of interesting uh, little side things going on. I I do see that. I see the I see the um, the masterminding behind the the Biggio Kato thing. I do sort of see it, and the idea of um, you know Biggio maybe not actually being a true utility guy in the way that they have the way that they have been using him and playing him that he probably is maybe he is just more of a second baseman and Kato is a guy that you can literally plug in anywhere and sort of get the same thing um Biggio would be it, it would be very interesting if if Biggio ends up being the second like we heard for so long with the two major leaguer prospect package um that that Cleveland wants for Jose Ramirez would be very interesting if Kevin is the guy instead of Instead of say Pearson or instead of or like with Kirk, uh, makes it a lot easier to swallow for me. I would I would agree with that. So um, yeah, some, I think that's a good observation. I think very definitely possibly accurate. Um, I don't think we need to get into like you know name, I, I named off the bullpen options. I don't think they're like does it matter if you take Barucki or Saucedo and then no. I mean someone uh, there someone there is just keeping the seat warm for Pearson until he's not over whatever illness he currently has and then whoever that 14th or 15th guy is you have to assume is immediately being sent down and also it's a bullpen like there's gonna be yeah 20 there's gonna be 20 guys rolling through here at some point um, and like there'll be three new ones by august and i think they're gonna they're gonna carry barucky north with them to sort of fend off that optioning down if he continues mm-hmm. to look cooked as long as they possibly can but like they can get it they can shuffle a trent thornton up and down as their 15th 14th they can they can shuffle thomas hatch up and down and then, as you said um one or two of these things is just a holdover for pearson but you know how it works the, the phantom il stints and the nicks and the cuts and the bruises there's no real point there's no real point in focusing too shot like harshly on who starts the back of the bullpen and and ultimately you know the greg bird thing to close all that out and the bench like the the opening day 13th man does not really matter we're not talking about the you know you're naming your playoff roster and and the do you take this pinch runner or do you take the extra lefty bat like we're not anywhere near that yet so yeah and um, i also i also think that like there's a good chance we might see some of these 13th, 14th guys more sure. than we think, but I think that's going to be because the Jays are going to be up by a lot of runs. Yeah. Uh, um, so. And they also signed Dexter Fowler, which makes me very happy. Yes, I... I like Dexter Fowler. I'm a little concerned. I'm not concerned the right word, but like just a little late in spring for a guy like Dexter Fowler. Not going to well, get a lot of run. Leg but, exploded. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I just mean like... Not a lot of time to build up that Greg Bird hype. Oh sure. Well, he's gonna get, he's gonna have the post sleeper hype where he gets to gets to play in the minor leagues for a long time for a little bit. I love that. I don't think he'll ever. He may never even come up. But uh, I like the closing of the books when the Jays go out and get their man. I, I love when that happens. Uh, yeah, I agree. When they, Any, whether yeah. it's whether it's way too late or not. Like remember the Jays signed so Vladdy like, senior it, at one point. Yeah, it's like it's the Kenneth Freed All Stars. They had uh, they had Johan Santana the Blue Jays sign at one point. That's right. I mean, even Liriano in a way. Liriano, absolutely, Jake. Jay Bruce. They never, they never got their Jay Bruce. They never. This is got like their if they Jay signed Bruce, Jay Bruce true. to a minor league deal. That that's matters true. to me that they went out and got Dexter Fowler, um, and a guy that whose age and journey lines up with mine in a really weird way. Sort of him being a young prospect and me working that in sports for the first time, and now he's the journeyman, and I'm uh, a bald father to be. It's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, that's sort of it on the newsy stuff. Obviously, the Jose Ramirez rumors continue to be, we're caught up in the middle of a PR war here. It continues to be one side saying we're making offers, the other side saying if we don't accept offers, we expect it to be traded. Um, I expect this to just sort of be something that happens into the season. And There's a report, uh, I, f- I apologize to whoever made the report. In the Oh, I have it right here. Look at that. Uh, no, this isn't it. Yes, it is. Um, hold on. It's one of those auto-refreshing articles where they just add articles. I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's all these athletics things. I have to find the Cleveland one, which like, God, what have we become? <laughs> Load more updates. Yes, please. This is, sounds like a great navigation experience. There we go. Uh, Zach Meisel, who is the athletic staff writer for the newly minted Guardians. Uh, says that the end result of the Jose contract, Jose Ramirez contract extension negotiations, will be known by the middle of this week. Yeah, so he's not going to sign. He's not going to sign an extension. Yeah, so they're nowhere near. Middle I of this week, s- basically, the middle of this week is opening day. I mean, let's get let's get real. So but, I am, uh, I am fully pilled into this now. Yeah, I more think so Jose than Ramirez before. Is coming. Yeah. Where I am because of that report, that one report. I now think that Jose Ramirez will be a Blue Jay by the weekend. Wow, you think the day before opening day? No, I they're, think, but I think they're, I think they're going to not reach the agreement uh-huh. this week. Uh huh. And if that's if they have this deadline of midweek, right, and they don't reach that agreement, I think the trade will happen sooner than later. Right. Maybe I'm not this saying, week. Maybe this week is bold, but yeah. I, I am of the opinion that it's not a deadline deal. He's saying he's saying midweek. Which is opening day. Yeah. So I'm of the opinion that... You think first week of the season, they're going to... Opening day... Maybe not Maybe not first wave. week, but I I think in April, for sure. April. I like that. Uh, I Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm fully bolded into it, it happening. And I have said before... I don't see I feel the, like if there wasn't a lockout, it would have happened already. I don't see the uh, impetus for Cleveland to wait if the extension talks don't go their way. Sure, never, you'll say never more valuable than he is right now. Exactly. Saying. There's every chance he gets hurt. There's every chance he's bad. I mean, like, he mm-hmm. won't be because he's Jose Ramirez. He's like the fifth best player in the league. But like in this hypothetical world, it's based, stranger things have happened. Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw to first base. Absolutely day. right. Or, you know, the, the year the Jays came in with Donaldson in 2017. Right. Exactly. It was like, he's their he's best trade ship if things go bad. It's like, well, no, things going bad are he looks like shit. And if <laughs> that's, and that's if, things going bad is Donaldson loses all his value <laughs> and plays like garbage. It's like, oh, right. And if they're looking for two major leaguers and some top tier prospects, like you want those guys in your system as soon as possible. Yeah, and the Jays are making every effort to play Alejandro Kirk every day. <laughs> and Kevin, you know what like Him and BJ are playing a lot. Every day. Those guys are going to be... Kirk's going to be in the lineup every day in April. Until the, until they pry the 28-man roster limit out of their hands, Kirk's going to be in the lineup every day. I, I like... He played... He was playing into, like, the eighth inning in spring. That was hilarious. Yeah, he played a lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I just don't see... The way that... And, like, granted, as... Our good friend Blake always says, your co-host Blake, always <laughs> always says, things like this get leaked for a reason. Yeah. So, you know, everything obviously comes with huge grains of salt. But, and like, it's also very obvious that the Blue Jays are being played as a chip 
in these negotiations, for which sure, I is, which I think is hilarious. The worry here sometimes can be that the Blue Jays are being used to um, make the Dodgers pay more money. I don't know. The, I'm, not, I'm just using the Dodgers as, as a as a yeah, as a, for name. sure. I'm not saying the Dodgers are the ones in the deal. For sure, like, that's what the Blue Jays get used as, or teams like the Blue Jays, where it's like, here's a team that has made noise about being a contender and has money to spend and uh, has the fits and and also generates the clicks. The Jays are notoriously that, but I also do think this is a smoke fire situation. Yeah, I do too. And I I just think that there's enough smoke. Yeah. Where, uh, I don't know, maybe it's wishful thinking, maybe it's not, but I just think that if come Friday, there is no contract extension for Jose Ramirez in Cleveland, I think that deal's happening sooner than we think. Beautiful. Because uh, I th- I think the deal's ready to go, personally. Right. Right. I think it's the, done. It's just a matter of is he staying or not. And they have to play out the string of the contract negotiation. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Uh, and I would love to stop talking about it for a little bit. I would love to just sort of start watching the Jose Ramirez versus the <laughs> guessing <laughs> what it's going to cost. Carlos, Bay- always Carlos Bayarga and Scram Lives. The four most powerful words in baseball media. Um, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we come back. We'll do. We'll quickly go through. I think some season predictions. Season starting. It's time to start talking about what's going to happen this season. Boy, already into a, a beautiful show so far. Um, but I got to tell you, it's time for the season to start. And we, not that we have anything structured here, but but obviously people want to know. Everyone wants to know uh, what we think is going to happen this season. Uh, you know, there's a couple questions that you, you can use your uh, projections if you want. Projections right now, Fangraphs, for example, has the Blue Jays as the number three team. Uh, in baseball, 92 wins, 92 and 70, um, winning the American League East. Uh, they have, if you would like to know, that's the best uh, in American League. They are the Dodgers and Braves, one and two, and then the and then the Blue Jays. I came ahead of the Yankees, uh, Boston at 87, and the Rays at 86. Um, how do you feel about, I mean, obviously you feel good. Obviously you're excited. At no point in feeding you the, are you excited? Do you think they're going to be good? I think obviously <laughs> you think they're going to be good. Obviously you think they're going to be excited. When you see stuff like, um, you know, 89% to make the playoffs, 12% to win the World Series, 45% to uh, win the division, uh, sort of where are you feeling in terms of their performance based on those projections of, like, let's say, 92 and 70? Uh, I think that's about right. That's pretty close to where I would have them. I have this nagging thing in the back of my brain that it's going to be not that not that they're going to be bad by any means, right. but that it's going to be harder, maybe, sure. than we have thought uh, in or have been talking about this off season. Obviously, that changes immediately if they get Jose Ramirez, but. Uh, yeah, 92 seems right to me. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be similar to last year in the sense that uh it's going to be very close in mm-hmm. the AL East and very tough and I think 
92 wins should be good enough. But I think it's going to be closer than we would like, I guess is what I would say. But sure. I do think they're going to be better than last year. So they won 91 last year. So 92, 93 feels right to me. So I have a couple, obviously a couple thoughts. One, I think one of them is I agree with your point that um, it's going to be hard. And I think I think the one thing for me is I think I was like, damn, are we have we been have I been too flippant about the Yankees? Are the Yankees about to do it again where it's like. You, you look at it and you're like, there's no reason the Yankees should be this good in there. Yankees are that good. And you're just like, I hate how this is like. We, we spent a lot of time like sighing and laughing that like they didn't get Correa. They didn't get any of the big free agents. Their biggest addition was Donaldson. But then I also think like kind of Filet is going to help their shortstop defense quite a bit. Um, Donaldson doesn't have to be, doesn't have to carry their offense. They're going to hit their home runs. Uh, the jumbo package outfield is going to be really interesting. Maybe they get it done. But Jake. It's very easy, I think, to come on here, and I, I agree absolutely with your logic. I think it's sound. I think your uh, your balance of things that can go right and things that can go wrong is is pretty much right on line. But I will say, I feel bold. I think the Blue Jays are going to win 98 games. I think they're going to win the division wow. by a lot. Not a lot. I think they're going to win the division by like five or six games. Yeah, I think that... I don't think that's crazy. I think... I think the only thing that's sort of giving me pause is just how hot they had to get in the back half of last year sure, to win 91 games. But there is every reason to believe that the first half of this year is going to go much better than the first half of last year. Yeah, I, I think I, I totally get that. And I would say... The beginning of the season, the team was a lot worse than they were at the end of the season in terms of their talent and their makeup. Um, you know, the adding Barrios, adding Manoa, dropping out the Chatwoods and the Dolises and the Roarks. They trimmed they trimmed all that fat in the first half and it paid off basically immediately. Um, and we're probably true talent already above 92. I see a rotation that every single night you will expect at worst to be still in the game when the starter comes out. There's going to be there's going to be, you know, a couple handfuls of games where that's not the case, but I think they've built a lineup where you cannot count them out of a game when when they're down 4 or 5. You say, well, if they're within 4 or 5, they're actually sort of still in the game a lot of the time. And I think you have a starting rotation that is going to get you into the 5th and 6th and 7th innings a lot. Where if you're only asking them to be within 4, 3 or 4, uh, they can deliver that a lot of times, uh, I think the the balance of the of the rotation. Maybe in a playoff series, you would like to have the high end guy. I think the balance of being able to put a good pitcher out there more often than not is going to really serve them well. And playing at home is going to be really big. We forget they haven't really been at home in two years. Uh, and when they played at home last year, they were incredible. And the 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 clincher for me. And this is really the the crux of my 98 wins and run away with the division thing is the projection is accurate. They are currently a 92 win team. My belief is if they are playing like a 92 win team, they are going to make a major move. It seems mm. it's it seems obvious to me that if they are looking at this and, and it's time to push in and they go, yep, everything is online. We're exactly as good as we think we are. We're 90. We're a, we're a 57 percentage win team. Now it's time to go. It's time to time to go up again. And, and like I, I have seen evidence over and over again in the last two years that every time there's a weakness, every time there is a hole, every time there is a problem, 
they do what they can to answer it as best as they possibly can. It started out with they had absolutely no pitching, so they went out and got Ryu. They had a good young core, but no center fielders. They went out and got George Springer. They had a couple good pitchers that had, that had made breakthroughs but hadn't solidified it. So they went out and got Gosman, and then they got Kikuchi. They didn't have a third baseman last year. So they went and got Matt Chapman. Like, every time there's a clear problem, they solve it. They didn't have enough good bullpen guys. So now they have 13 guys that, that are major league pitchers. And if they fall out, they'll go get more. Like, I, I don't see them being in June and July and being a good team and being in the race that they were in at the end of last year and not being like, all right, we're, we're going. Because they've every, every inkling, every hint of how this team's been built recently to me says we're making the Jose Ramirez deal and if we're not we're getting somebody else who's very good like we're we're replacing that Semyon with another guy we're getting a left-handed bat DH we're gonna get a another outfielder we're gonna get a second baseman they're gonna find it they're gonna find the guy and I, I think we're gonna see that we're gonna see you know they're gonna bring Moreno up and for the for the stretch run if they if they ha- if they can at all if he, give, if he gives them any reason to they're gonna do that too I think they're gonna go right out of the Rays playbook with the call up the super prospect right before the playoffs with the make the fringe deals with the, how do they get all these bullpen guys uh, I think they're gonna get the the attack like you know postseason reliever in the in the Pearson role maybe double that up I I, I expect. I expect them to to push all the chips in at some point this summer. So that's my that's my big call on this year is the Blue Jays put the pedal to the metal here. I mean, I agree. And I think that's a good point. And I think you kind of hit the nail on their head there by saying that the 90 win, 92 win projection, sorry, uh, is accurate because we know that they're a 92 win team. We've seen them be a 92 win team, you know, 91 more or less. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, you think, as I was kind of saying, like with the difference between the first half this year sec- or first half last year, second half as well, all that stuff. I think the other point and the other side of that is like you think back to the first half, of, you think back to April and May of last year. And let's put the fact that they weren't playing in Toronto aside, even though I think that is relevant. Uh, and obviously clearly had an effect on the team last year. But let's just put that part aside. Just purely looking at the product on the field, you presumably and hopefully have George Springer for those two months. Uh, You have not Tanner Roark and uh, uh, Tyler Chatwood throwing, which, you know, I made this point a couple weeks ago. As that's lit from last year, that is literally the difference between 91 and 94 wins. Yeah. Having Barrios, having... Having Barrios, having Manoa, having, you know, I think it's... I I think this is one of those rare times, and I mean this as an extreme positive, those rare times as a sports fan where you can make a projection for your team for the season and say something like they're going to win 98 games and win the division going away and it sounds not crazy yeah like that wouldn't you know last year before the season when we were doing we were having this exact conversation about our predictions for the coming year we had predictions ranging from like 76 wins to 90 wins 
it was it was all over the place and we didn't even really know what our expectations were or what we where we wanted them to be you know was are they going to go back to being a 500 team are they going to take the next step and win 86 or 87 games they're going to regress a little bit uh because of x y and z and win 76 games whereas this year i feel like that range is much smaller like barring disaster of course to, (laughs) to me it feels like the floor is 90 wins yeah, let me let me cool myself off with a with a big old glass of butt. I do. <laughs> I can also I can also I don't have to squint too hard to see a nightmare scenario. I don't have, I don't have to squint no, too hard to see not. to see. Uh, I mean, although that's the thing is I don't even know what a nightmare scenario is. To your point, it's like I'm you're thinking nightmare scenario is like you're thinking 85 wins instead. It's like that's still a fucking good year. And also, you think about what has to go wrong to complete if if their floor is 90 wins base as a team right now like you know they still won 91 games only getting half a season of george springer last year like what is the nightmare scenario here that could like you'd have to lose like six guys yeah i i think i think it's somewhere along the lines for me it's somewhere along the lines of like when springer didn't play last year they were like a 500 club right and and his his yeah sure his presence it's just like you don't have to squint too hard to be like what would it be like if Springer got hurt again it's like well it'd be a lot like all of last year uh, I think that's fair yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you also have pitching depth that you didn't have last year and and what you have to do to win games uh, without Springer in the lineup versus what you had to do last year which as we said play in the wrong stadium and then play with a bad rotation and play with bad relievers right I guess I think that's more my point like yeah. They played half the season on the road and half the season without George Springer. You know, obviously there are disasters that can happen. It's sports. It's baseball. That's just how this shit goes. Like, no question. But also part of me is like, what else? Like, how much more damaging could it be? Right. That they can't overcome. And I don't know what the answer to that is because it's kind of like they had a ton of adversity last year and won 91 games. So there's no reason to think that this team can't handle, uh, that kind of adversity, I guess is my point. I think that's uh, well stated. Do you have any other, do you have any other, um, if you have any other bold predictions for our team, is there, is there a, a player you're, you're, uh, keeping an eye on, is there somebody that you uh, in particular literally sort of attached to as we come into this? Somebody that you are you find yourself rooting for? I mean, I think it's the usual suspects at this point. I, I feel like the, the thing that comes with being a AL East American League contender, World Series contender, is that like the, the spry underdog under the radar guys aren't, they just don't exist True. on this team. Like, to say like, oh, I'm rooting for Tay Oscar. It's like, oh, you're rooting for the fifth best player on the team. Great. <laughs> yeah, that's something. Uh, but like, yeah, I want I want Tay Oscar to continue to be who he was, if nothing more for the vibe. Same for Guriel. I'm really I said this a couple weeks ago. I'm really curious about Guriel. I think he is far more important to this team than he gets credit for. Uh and for your lesser name guys, I want uh Adam Simber to keep lighting it up. I really yeah. enjoyed watching him pitch last year. 
funky, funky and, Adam Sandler. Uh, I hope he continues to be a major piece because uh, uh, he's a lot of fun. I think I'm talked into enjoying Tapia. I think I'm talked into. Oh yeah. Uh, the opposite field stuff and the and the first to third speed and the and the, the swagged out glasses with the with the with the uh, blonde dreads. I think that's uh, in and uh, to to your point, it's easy to pick right. It's easy to pick the the obvious the big names, but um, you sort of alluded to it. I think George Springer. It's like I, you almost didn't even get a chance to appreciate how beautiful it, it clicked when George Springer was in the lineup last year. Like his presence in the lineup in the in the clubhouse, you're just like, holy shit, this team is so good. And I think if you were able to have that and you're able to also tack on like, oh, by the way, we hit Matt Chapman seventh every day. It's like, that's going <laughs> to be awesome. You know, it's really funny. We just had this entire season preview conversation and we did not mention literally Matt Chapman once. I know. It seems, it and seems it's great, silly. But I, I mean that as a, as like a, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Like that's he's so good. Oh my God. That's so fun. That's so fu- He's so good. And he's not even in like topics of conversation because it's just the, the team's so good. It's great. The, the, the guy, <laughs> the righty batter jumps all over a ball and hits an absolute laser to third on one hop. And you're like, Oh, that's fine. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's oh, fine. yeah. Uh, my wife just messaged me and said, that's chappy because I yeah. taught her that joke. And that's right. I shouldn't have. The best the best thing. And obviously we could we could expound on Chapman and we will throughout the course of the year. But early contender for the best thing is when the when there's, when there's a runner on first and he gets one of those balls. And you're like, oh, he's going to get that to second in time for this to be a double play. <laughs> like, it's it's insanity. It's, it's not even just the scoops and the throws. It's like, oh, he's going to make that maybe a double play. And that should probably be a single that moves it under third. It's like ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Getting runners going on the move from first to second, like, by a step and a half. It's it's ridiculous. It's crazy to me. I can't, I can't wait to watch that day in, day out. Um, that's really exciting. And... Uh, you know, Alec Manoa, very exciting to see what happens with sort of the changes he makes, the adjustments he has to make. We've obviously we've seen a lot of baseball. You see a lot of uh, a rookie comes up with a interesting repertoire and dances through the raindrops for a year. And then and then slowly but surely things go up. Um, he's got great makeup and doesn't seem to ever get rattled. Uh, really interested to see what becomes of, of his second time through here and, and the adjustments and the, the counter adjustments. That should be pretty good. And I think Barrios is going to be really good. I know there's some doubts and some question marks. We even have them in our mailbox uh, this week. But I think Barrios is going to be really good. The curveball, I think it'll be fun to Yeah, watch. I agree. I, I'm not concerned about Barrios at all. Uh, that about does it. We have a lot of baseball left to talk about uh for the rest of the year. So why burn through it all right now? Uh, we got to the gist of it. We want Jose Ramirez. There's going to be trades. The Jays are going to be good. We love Matt Chapman. Um, just that easy. We will move on into the mailbag. Take care of all that right now. Time for the mailbag. If you want to hear the answer to all, oh boy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions and a mail and a voicemail, please join us. Patreon.com slash less than Jays. You get the full on mailbags. You get way longer episodes. This one's gonna be like an hour forty, I think, on the on the 
Patreon. Uh, way longer episodes. You're getting full mailbags. You're getting extra stuff like Jays of Our Lives, which you can hear previews of on the two coffees. Uh, all that and more. Patreon.com slash less than Jays. As I said, I went and ate a uh, Arby's Reuben this weekend for the Patreon folks. That video coming out hopefully soon, depending on what I can get out of the editing lab, depending on when my son is born. Uh, <laughs> as I said, though, all that and more. Available Patreon.com slash less than Jays. All right, let's time for the mailbag. We're going to start with a very good voicemail. Hey, guys. After dialing the number wrong three times because I'm a moron, triple seven, not triple four, it's my first time calling in. Uh, Blue Jays rotation. Everyone seems really hyped up about it, but there's a little uh, little monster in the back of my brain that says maybe Jose Barrios is a three and out of one. Maybe Alec Manoa has some second-year struggles. And, you know, he only pitched uh, 20 charts last year. Maybe Kikuchi sucks. Maybe Ryu's a pumpkin. And, uh, you know, just uh, feeling a little sweaty over here. Uh, wondering if you guys could talk me off the ledge on that one. Uh, all right. Love the podcast. Love the show. Take it easy. Good day. Okay. Good call. Lots going on. You talk to the, talking to the right guys who also have the, I know what the disaster could be like very quickly. And it got me freaked out that I was putting the phone number wrong out on the internet. I hope I'm not. It's uh, 833-714-7774 if you want your voicemail played or just tweet us at less than Jay's. Anyway, Jake, lots of concerns here in one. Uh, one of them was something I've seen some some pretty commonly is, is maybe the fear that Barrios is a three, not a one, or not a big game pitcher. I think um, bitter fans of, of a different franchise come in and say, you know, check the playoff numbers. He's always struggled with the big games. Um, as I mentioned before, Manoa taking a step back is not a crazy thing. Kikuchi, uh, the numbers aren't great. We're talking about a number five guy and maybe Ryu is uh past the prime here and uh, that's that's the concerns i would say this you forgot about your concerns about kevin gausman not bringing his splitter over and getting hammered in the american league east again so uh if you wanted to be scared about all five of them you certainly could do it jake how does this hit your ears all five of these concerns um i'm sticking with just my one right which um, is which which one do you stick which is with? kevin gausman whose okay. name i was apparently mispronouncing sure uh yeah, I, I, I'm just not. I don't know if it's because I'm like Oriole poisoned with him. It's that that took time with me too, where I was like, I'm talking about I'm talking about Kevin Gascan because I made fun of Kevin Gascan a lot. <laughs> I think my my real concern with him is that like in his nine seasons, there's really like, oh, four three and a half where you're like yeah this guy's worth nine figures sure sure like sure, his 2014 sure. was okay you know not outstanding but good same with his, his 2016 was a little better uh but again a guy that we watched a lot that year and we were never concerned yeah. about uh, and then yeah. his his back half of 2018 was outstanding and I'm sure leaving Baltimore had something to do with that, if we're being fair. But then, like, his front half of 2019 was dog shit, combined with also not a great second half of 2019. And then his two years in San Francisco, which, granted, a very good team, his two years in San Francisco were quite good. Last year, obviously, he was unbelievable. 
And, you know, I just have to hope that he's just one of those guys who pitches well when he's got a good team behind him, which he certainly does. But I don't know. It's I, I can't get over those years in Baltimore and just like, it just seems like so much money for a guy who really, really only has one nine million, nine figure level year in him. I think that's so fair. far. I think that's fair. Um, so to address them one by one, I think Barrios being a three, not a one is not that big a deal. Um, if, if one of your concerns about this rotation is that it's like, oh, they have four number three guys instead of having an ace, a two, a three, and a four. Um, over the course of a full season, that's actually that's actually good, right? Because you then you're in every game, and, and maybe you're not, you know, you're not like, oh man, we got to get we got to get Garrett Cole out here to stop this. It was sort of you're like, okay, every day the guy gives us a chance. Um, I am pretty confident in Barrios this year, and, and a lot of people that are smarter than me are really confident in Barrios this year. I think they can make a lot out of his makeup and in his mix, and I think it works in well with the, with what they're going to do. I do totally see the issue with the, the Manoa second year struggle. And as I said, we see many guys come up, be very good in their first run, and uh, immediately sort of get solved a little bit. Um, I would say I am resting on makeup. Like what we what we know of this guy is a guy that absolutely loves to work, an absolute horse. A guy who mentally seems to really enjoy the big moments and really, uh, every time he got into trouble, seemed to get himself out of trouble and didn't seem to be rattled and seemed to be built from that like calm, cool, collected, always in control vibe. Um, uh, Ryu, I honestly already feel like we're into the house money phase because I expected to lose a year of his of his contract with an injury at some point. Um, and now we're talking about him as a number five. And Ryu as a number five is where the Dodgers had Ryu. And if you're in the... We are building a rotation the way the Dodgers are building the rotation. Uh, you're in good problem territory. And then you're down to Kikuchi sucks, maybe. Uh, could be a guy that has flashes. Um, but I think if Kikuchi sort of rocky, you have Stripling and you have Pearson. You have, you know, you want to get down to Hatch, K. You have options of guys that you can come in here and make this a six-man rotation and, and, and build guys' days off that maybe Ryu may need or Kikuchi may need. Or uh, if you're concerned that someone's overworked and and faltering a little bit and you could use some extra rest they have the ability to move that around so i think if your concern here is that the top end talent isn't anywhere i would say that the the overall over the course of the year the depth of talent is what's going to give them the edge but uh you know if you're if you're sitting here and saying you know the jay's rotation isn't as good as everyone seems to be hyping it i i totally get how you could arrive at that and how it's like the rotation is incredible compared to where we were two years ago. We were saying, yeah. you know, we, you know, God only knows we were talking ourselves into it's sort of by comparison is an incredible turnaround. Is it there yet? Is it complete? Probably not. But um, it should be more than enough for how good the offense is, which I think is where the real key is. As I said, I think more often than not, they're going to get you into games where the lead is manageable no matter what is going on. Yeah. And like I'm. You know, maybe I'm the opposite pilled with some of these guys. Like, I th- I personally have no concerns about Barrios. No, me, me either, really. Me either. Um, I understand the Ryu and uh, Manoa concerns. Like, I don't think they're... I don't think that's crazy to be worried about second-year struggles for Manoa uh, or uh, Ryu continuing 
to sort of slide a little bit. I don't but, share those yeah. concerns, but I understand say, them. Ryu was awesome at the beginning of last year. Yes, absolutely. First half of last year, he was awesome. Um, so I'm not too concerned about those guys. Uh, and Kikuchi, you know, he's the fifth guy uh, regardless. And also, uh, I'll get to him on our uh, Take This to Your Grave. There you go. Um, there you go. So come off that ledge. Uh, James Nielsen, is there a player on the team you just don't like? Oh, boy. Not many, I'll tell you. Not anymore. I mean, it was Gritch, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but he's gone. Man, and uh, you look at the 13 hitters. Like, I don't know who you dislike from this lineup. I'd I say. think, like, the guys that I dislike, I don't think are going to be on the team. Like, I'm not a big Trent Thornton guy. Right. Uh, and obviously, Joe Biagini, who's already been not, he's not. Yeah, you're talking about, the, talking about the the 16th option as a, right. of the bullpen. Ex- exactly. <laughs> but no, you know what? From, they've done a really good job in roster construction just in terms of, like, guys I want to root for. Even your, even guys like Kato and Tapia are super fun. Yeah. I, I don't know who you would look at this lineup and say I don't like. I mean, the offensive hitters, I, the or only Bigio's guy I can think of. the closest, I guess. But yeah, like, and nothing really to hate about Captain no. Bijo. You, you want him to do well. Um, I guess Zach Collins is like the guy I like the least because he's the newest. and I have, I've literally yeah. never seen his face. And I mean, yeah. and I mean, you hope he doesn't play enough for you to be given reason to dislike him. So I'm sure I'll grow to dislike a reliever. That seems that seems of course. Oh, there's always there's always a Dolis to the bunch. And I'm, you know, it never. It won't take me long to be like, I don't want to see David Phelps anymore. It won't, it won't take me long to be like, <laughs> Yumi Garcia was a mistake. Like, I'm. Pretty, oh, I don't. Th- I don't. I think Yumi's gonna be great. I'm pretty fickle. I'm, pr- I'm pretty high on Yumi Garcia. But. I try not to get. I try not to get emotionally attached to relievers. We've been over this before, but that's also very true. It's not my thing. But no, um, I gotta say they're they're a likable bunch. They do well, and um, we don't want to get too into the weeds here, but I think you have to give Charlie some love for that. You know, I was. I'm glad you said that because we are we are critical of Charlie, but uh, I thought it was I think it was Scotty Mitchell uh, in his article about Montoyo's extension, who made the point of you know Pete Walker gets all this love, right, for right. all he does. Charlie gets nothing. Yeah, he's the guy. About, yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, you get you get people that. Guys come in here and immediately love this team. It's a great vibe. Uh, free agents are coming here. Uh, you know, players are coming here and immediately signing extensions. Like players are excited to show up. Uh, do, I to Char- do I think Charlie? Do I think Charlie is a good? Charlie's a good inning to inning manager. Not really, but do yeah. I think Charlie would be fun as hell to play for? Yes, I do. We'll see. This is the interesting. This is the first time that I would say this is the first year it's even possible for Charlie to be on the hot seat. It wasn't yeah. even possible previous years. The first time there's ever expectation. The first time he could ever uh, end up below expectation. So very interesting to see what happens there. But I, I think, you know, pretty easy to give him the extension for the, for the next year. That's that's pretty easy to me. Uh, Eric asks us, the last time the Jays were so universally regarded as a World Series contender. This is a great point was before the 2013 season when we got Reyes, Josh Johnson, Burley, and Dickey. What do you think is the biggest difference between that 2013 roster and this one? Excellent question. Excellent question. They're good to start. Well, yes, that is that is a great point. No, if you want my if you want my actual edge this and not my snarky nonsense, um, they're young. That 2013 team was built on the back of vets still having it. Well, 
Yeah, they were trying to add. They were trying to add that to remember famously, twenty-three-year-old uh, Brett Laurie and and. <laughs> Well, then I think you're answering my question for me. That goes back. <laughs> that goes back to the first point about them being good. But like in twenty, going to the 2013 season, let's say Jose Bautista was 33 years old. Edwin was okay. Edwin was only 30, but still he had been in the league for a decent clip at that point. Other than your Laurie, if you're young guys. Your young pillars are J. Pierre and Sebia and Brett Laurie. That does not a World Series contender make. And it was built on the idea that Jose Reyes was going to have it, that Josh Johnson was going to have it, that Mark Burley was... I mean, a bad example, because Mark Burley rules, and ruled for a long time with us. It was, you know, building around the R.A. Dickey idea. It was, you know, on and on and on and on. And it just, this is just a better built team top to bottom. It's hard to, it's hard to be like, well, why does, didn't that one work? And then you can just look at this one and be like, well, they have like, we just got asked if they're going to have an over under of five and a half all-stars this year. Right. And like, it's not crazy. Yeah. They have the second best, arguably center fielder in the American league. They have the best first baseman in the American league. They have a top five shortstop. They have a, that they have the best defensive third baseman in the world. They have two guys in the outfield who, whatever you think of their defense, can hit the piss out of baseball at any given time. They have five quality starters at at the least. They have a deep bullpen. They're just a well-built team. Whereas that team had a lot of hype and a lot of excitement because it was... But I think, in retrospect, a lot of the hype around that 2013 and to a lesser extent 14 team was just the hype of going for it and the hype of trying. Right, 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 right. It wasn't necessarily the hype of they had built this team that was worthy of being World Series contender. It was just that they were trying and they hadn't tried in so long. I would, and I would say this, um, because it's a good point, but the, fir- the first and most obvious one is they added that core to a 73-win team. Yeah. It was, it, was a not, it was not a good team they were adding those players to, but it literally, two years later, they win 93 games. Uh, it's they they add those guys. It's like oh, they, it, 2013 really flamed out. Well, 2014 they were, they won 83 games, and 2015 they won 93. Uh, and if you look at the trajectory of them from 29 from 2018, a 73 win team again, uh, you sort of take 2019 as that 2012 team that they built to, you get basically the exact same progression. They win, they go basically 500 in 2020, and they win. They're back right up there to to the, to the 93 win team that we see today um I, I think i totally get it i totally get why you, and listen you're talking to us obviously we understand how easy it is to sort of immediately be like well what if it's a disaster uh but i do think uh you're adding just to a much 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 better team uh, fun to go back and look though at the 2013 thank you for giving me reason to look at the 2013 team and i can shout out one more time what a great year colby rasmus had holy moly <laughs> 127 OPS plus playing a playing a plus glove center field batting left-handed 
Uh, a lot of guys had good. It's so funny. It's like, damn, a lot of the hitters did have good years this year. Like Edwin had a really good year. Lind had a really good year. Jose had a good year. Colby had a good year. Uh, Jose Reyes, when he played, was was pretty good. But the pitching, as you said, five we have five good starters. This team had zero good starters. Um, all right, Dickey was obviously like they didn't have a single guy that even came sniffed a four ERA um, and no depth beyond that. I think that this team, as you said, the the pillars that they are building around in Vladdy and Bo are much stronger pillars than than even Jose and Edwin. Those were those are two legendary players that, that go down as two of the best, if not the best. Blue Jays of all time, but as you said, you're talking a 32 year old and a 30 year old. We're talking about 23 year olds uh, that are that are MVP candidates, that are absolute top of the league uh, in their class, and they are supplemented with five, six guys who all have elite skills and uh, a deep pitching staff. So I see it, I see it, but uh, not quite, not quite. Um, I totally get the fear. We've, I think we've covered off the fears, uh, giving them just enough airtime tonight to sort of uh, play both sides. That is the mailbag <laughs> for another week. Thank you so much for your calls and your uh, tweets. We really appreciate it. Just one thing left to do on this hefty episode before we start the season, and that is take this to your grave. Jake, lots going on out there. Uh, big time, big time, big time, time of year. My, my son, another another two hours closer. Uh, it's being born. <laughs> <laughs> my level of function right now. Um, no, it's time to take this to your grave. It's time to close out the week. Time to close out the spring with a bold something or other. Your 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 brainiest brain take of the year i will go first i think you have something good uh rolled up your sleeve uh i think i already talked about the the jano breakout year enough i I called him an all-star in the last segment i think uh i think we're we're thinking big we're thinking bold um i think that the Blue Jays are going to have a Cy Young candidate in their rotation. I think I think Ooh. Barrios finishes the year top three in Cy Young voting in the American League. That's my big bold take uh, before we start the year. I, I think Barrios, like that. I think Barrios. Listen, I'm I'm rosy on this team this year. I think that's I think that's obvious. But I think uh, I think the intention of of who they're going to be this year I think is going to be well met. And I think uh, coming off the Robbie Ray thing, we're going to have another another episode in the like. What are these Blue Jays doing to these pitchers? I think Barrios is sort of the absolute perfect guy where they're working from an already a really talented base. They're working with a guy who has already gotten better and better every year and already seems to have unlocked a special skill that makes him a day in, day out, very good guy. I think this is where he takes the next step uh, and sort of becomes the opening day guy and becomes the emblematic of the pitching version of what this team is all about, which is young, exciting, fun talent. He is entering his prime, but to turn 28 at the end of May. I think uh, I think we're due for a special year from Jose Barrios. That's good stuff. Uh, if my cat shuts up, I'll give mine. <laughs> there he is. Oh, he's just coming to sit. Okay. Uh, my big, bold take for the 2021 season comes with a caveat. 
Of course. And that caveat is barring a trade because that could change this entire thing. But barring a trade, come September, the Blue Jays' fifth starter will be Nate Pearson. Hey, Nate Pearson working his way into the rotation. I like that. I think he's... I Maybe I'm spring just like just like a guy who throws hard and is big. But uh, I don't know. I like what I saw from him in spring. And I think uh, I think Nate Pearson's going to finally put it together. I love it. I love it. Uh, so there we go. We're, we're bullish on the Blue Jays pitching this year. Isn't that fun? Uh, that is it for what, another episode. What a time, et cetera. Unbelievable. It'd be too easy to talk about how good the hitting is. Let's get how good the pitching is. Uh, we've successfully talked down the caller who freaked out. Um, that is it for the spring versions of this show. When we come back next week, we'll be talking about opening weekend against the Texas Rangers. Uh, very likely a uh, two copies coming Friday ahead of the opener. Unless, again, unless I am attending the birth of my first child, in which case not going to happen. And we'll update you uh, later on about what will happen if that happens. But I'm not going to worry about it now. Why, why think about it more than I already am, which is all of the time. Uh I got nothing about. I got nothing else to think about or to talk about. My brain is liquefying and leaking Baseball out my ears. Baseball boys. <laughs> Baseball. I can't wait. I can't wait. Looking forward to the season opening. Looking forward uh, to the Blue Jays and the Rangers. That starts this weekend. And a reminder: uh, our friends at Left Field Brewery celebrating first pitch this week. There are home opener promos running at bars and restaurants across Ontario, including the tap room uh, at Left Field Brewery. They got specials on ice-cold beer, and you can get a free ice-cold koozie to keep your beer cold with the purchase of a case of ice-cold beer at fanshop.leftfield.brewery.ca. No, fanshop.leftfieldbrewery.ca. I threw one too many dots in there. Uh, <laughs> it enters you into a draw to win an ice-cold prize pack valued at 200 We love our friends at Leftfield Brewery. Check that out if you can. That brings us to the end of this show. We will see you in the regular season. Thank you so much for listening to Less Than Jays. Hey guys, Blue Jay season starts soon. Um, just thought I'd call in again, you know, leave you guys a message. Hope the podcast is going well. Haven't had a chance to tune in yet, but you know, this takes a little bit less time, so I figured I'd just give my support this way. Hope all is well.